Welcome to the People Doing Good podcast. The Feel Good podcast. I am Mariah Volk. And I'm Jerry Robinson. If this is your first time listening, People Doing Good is a podcast about sharing the stories of people doing good. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Mariah. How are you doing, hon? I'm good, but wait, is it morning? You know, actually, it's good afternoon. Okay, good afternoon. Well, we know it's not evening because it's still light outside. It's beautiful. We're feeling spring here in Sebastopol today. Finally, so much rain. We've had so much rain. You know, it is absolutely beautiful. I mean, people in t-shirts and shorts instead of rain boots and windshield wiper blades going all over the place. That's uh, right. Yeah, I think we're finally through the rains up here. Yep. So what do you got going on today? What are you doing when we leave here? Well, when I'm leaving here, I'm supposed to be going to Italy. Really? Um, yeah, in May, May there? 1st. Um, it's a charity event, um, some golf, a golf, some golfing involved um, with a couple other uh, former NFL football players and uh, a couple current ball players. And they were invited us over, got invited over to go over and represent a particular foundation. I have to say it that way because the company, what they do is they pick out a charity. They, t- they take a ball player and they try to help their charity along. And it just happens to be one uh, involving uh, a former player from UCLA. So I'm just... You're going I'm, to Italy. I'm going, going to Italy. But let me tell you what bothers me about this. I've been, I've known about this for about a month and I'm, and I'm, and I'm like, I keep sending text messages and emails because everyone, people that know that we are going to Italy, so where are you going to go? You need to go here. You need to check that out. You need to buy this. You need to eat some pasta here. There's, you know, the Chianti, the wine's great here. And I can't tell them where I'm going because I don't even know. And honestly, it's frustrating me because I'm not getting the itinerary that I need. Now that we're open and honest here because that's the way we do things here at People Doing Good Podcast. We're open and honest about it. And it's getting on my nerves. Oh my it's God, It's kind of upsetting Jerry. the brother just a little bit. Oh, first world problems. This trip to Italy. Gee, I didn't get my invitation. <laughs> first of all, I'm yeah. not going to Italy. Uh, Unless, I mean, is there an open spot? Uh, we're going to find out. Okay. So I don't even know if my spot's still there, but we're supposed along. to go. We could we're bring me to, along to yeah. do some podcasting. Sure, Wouldn't we could find cool? people doing good in Italy. Oh, yeah. People making pasta. People making wine. People drinking Chianti. People having a good time. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a thought, too. So that's what so, was on my mind here today. This is kind of bothering me. Just, I mean, I'm excited about it, but I just wanted to share that. I haven't talked to anybody about it. So the itinerary is up to someone else. So we can't right. get online and find you some places that you're going to go. you got to right. go along with the group. you got to go along uh, with the group. That's the thing. So, But besides that, I'm happy to be alive and I'm breathing and, um, you know. Yeah. What's happening with you? Well, uh, I have a basketball game today. Now you've been you've been doing this basketball, been coaching basketball for for quite a while. So here with these yeah, I I coach right now. I'm coaching middle school for uh-huh. the listeners out there. I'm coaching sixth and seventh grade boys basketball, and which is kind of rare for a female to be coaching boys at middle school. I'm the only chick coach in the league, and you know I was having a hard time with my seventh grade team. A few weeks ago, always complaining about the refs. Oh, we lost. It's because of the refs. It's because of the refs. And I, you know, I'd bench them. Don't complain to the ref. Don't Mm -hmm. talk back to the ref. You just don't do that. And they weren't listening to me. And so I called Jerry and I said, (laughs) maybe you'd have a little more impact talking to them about the refs because it's not working. So he came in and gave them a little speech. It was so good. You should have seen their faces. You know what, Mariah? They listened. That was... I was looking forward to that when you called me that day and you were talking about it. And I said, you know, let me let me come out there and talk to these kids. And I, while I was there, I just wanted to let them know. First, one of the questions I asked them was, you know, what is it? What's it like having a, a, a woman coach your basketball team? And <laughs> I was kind of I was really shocked with the response. Yeah. 
um because i was shocked because they it, they didn't know any different it didn't it made no difference to them and i was really excited about that which was cool but i had to jump down in them a little bit about you know understanding about the game of football football basketball <laughs> sports is sports but you have to have respect and it was, yeah. remember to talk about the respect the for respect the game. and you referred to the the ref as the zebra don't mess with the zebra. They're still zebras. I can't stand them. <laughs> I, you know, when I go to basketball games now and I see those striped shirts, I go to a football game, I just start to get hot. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm way past playing football. But, uh, yeah, they're the zebras. But, no, it was uh, – you got a good group of uh, young kids there. and um, They're learning. But, you know, Jerry, what I think that because of the culture in the NBA right now, when, the, mm. when a player doesn't like a call, they see this conversation and dialogue happening with the ref and the player. And that's what – their role models models are doing so they think well that's what you do but in my opinion that's not what you do mm. you move on with the game the call's the call have you ever seen a ref say you know what dude you're right i'm taking back that travel <laughs> you know like, no. they're not going to change gonna it. it's that. a waste of your energy yeah. and like ronnie lott told us in his interview part of being uh an athlete and learning in sport is is uh, mastering a moment mm -hmm. and you're not in the past you can't worry about the play that just happened you're not worried about what's gonna happen next you're mastering the mm -hmm. moment and and if you're worried about what the ref just did you're out of the moment yeah and this, you, you're so true and so correct about you know nowadays these kids but you know what this has been going on for a while you emulate, you know, what you see. You you try to copy what you see. And the sad part of it is, is that in professional sports, college sports, the whole thing, they're watching too, too much ESPN. And <laughs> no, they, they really are. And it frustrates me because that's not the way you and I were brought up. That's not, I mean, we, we played the game, you know, we learned to respect it, you know, going to do what you got to do. If you're worried about what the referee is doing, you're going to miss something else coming along down the line. And, you know, we both try to encourage these kids that, you know what, you, that's not what you want to do. That's not what you want to want to be. That's not how this game is played. That's not how life is played because no. you're not going to be able to jump in somebody's face uh, outside of the sporting arena just because you don't like what they might have you know, said to you because that could result in an altercation. <laughs> it could. Um so yeah, anyway, that day when you came in, I, thank you for that. I was grateful, and and it made don't worry, I send it made you a, a bill. difference. Oh God, okay. you're charging. Okay. Actually, um, I'll give you a discount. Well, speaking of that, li listeners, Sonoma County listeners, anyway, Jerry and I are going to be touring and doing uh, motivational speaking with athletes around Sonoma County. So if you're a coach or you work for a school, and you'd like us to come and talk to your athletes. Uh, we would love to come and do it. Jerry's got a lot of words of wisdom. I know a couple of things. Oh, you I know, Mariah knows a whole lot of things, you guys. She's so, you know, you're so humble and honest. I, I, that, that's a great quality to have. Uh, Thanks, Jerry. Wisdom, uh, I have experiences. Yes, I have, because uh, I'm a little older than you, quite a bit older than Mariah. But you know what? She's right. If y'all need, really, if you want to hear some fascinating stories or things that uh, that has helped both of us through our athletic careers and yeah. even life. Well, when you spoke to my, my boys and you asked them to raise their hand if they wanted to play in the NBA. And we know what the chances and percentages on that are, but a lot of these kids raise their hand and I love that. And the lesson that you're teaching them and the things that you told them that, hey, I wasn't rich. I had no special benefits. I, my, I came from a working class family in Santa Rosa, just like you guys. And I did get to play as a pro. So you're an example that's possible. And for them to hear that from you and be from the same, they're, you're, they're from here, you're yeah, from here. Community. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Inspiring.
Well, that's what we have to do. We have to inspire these young kids of today. And even though they, they've never seen me play football, they've never seen it, but they do know and they've heard of the Raiders and the Philadelphia Eagles and UCLA Bruins and Carlton yeah. and Hyde. I mean, they do know of those things. And the good thing of it is, is that I tell them, you know, it's okay if you don't know me, but you can always go Google me if you want to. <laughs> if you want to find, no, if you want to find out, I don't Google myself because I really don't need to know. I don't, I'm not really confident in me. I've Googled you. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, so these kids, you know, I, it's important to, if you have a story, if there's something that we can share with somebody to help somebody, bring somebody along. And, and if they want to listen to it and see how it's done, that's, that's what it's like. You got to keep paying it forward and moving things forward. Yeah. It's part of giving back. Yeah. It it's is. like, you know, you, uh, someone could look at my athletic, um, resume, I guess, and say, wow, you know, she was really gifted or talented, but they don't know. I shot a hundred free throws every single night and didn't have a social life because I was committed. It was making a sacrifice mm -hmm. for my sport. I wanted to play college basketball. So I didn't go to the dance. I went home and I shot my free throws. And some people I think have the perception that it just happened. Oh, she, she was lucky, yeah. you know, but there's a lot of hard work and sacrifice that goes into achieving those athletic things. Well, it is all about that sacrifice. And when you're young, you're not thinking about it. You're not, you're not thinking about, you're thinking about running around with your friends. You think about going to that dance that you were talking about. And I remember, I didn't do that either. I, what was important to me was to uh, make sure that I was able to, to compete all the time. I didn't care about going to house parties or parties, yeah. however you want to call them. And I didn't need to hang out. And I was trying to let those kids know it's not, you know, it's not about hanging out. Those people will be there mm -hmm. once you get where you want to be. Don't allow anything to stop you from achieving your goals. Because right. trust me, once you reach that goal that you set for yourself, those other things will come along if you want them. Yeah. But don't let them stop you from getting there. You know, because I think, you know, I used to tell people a lot of times, I said, I love Santa Rosa. That's why I'm back here now. Uh, home is home. But I remember when I was growing up, I was like, you know what? I don't want to be one of those guys telling a story about what they used to do when they were in high school. And while they're telling me this story, they got a brown paper bag with a cold 40 ounce in it <laughs> or, or some Mad Dog 2020 or some Boone's Farm wine. I don't want to be that person, yeah. okay? I'm not, any, I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody because that's not the way I was raised and I don't believe that, but I don't want my story and I try to let these kids know, you don't want your story to just end right here. Go away, yeah. go back, go away, come back and share your experience. That's what it's about. It's about being able to share your experience. You get a great deal. I know how you are. I see the excitement in your face when you're around kids mm -hmm. and when you're teaching them and you're coaching them. It's about giving back. Yep. And these kids need to understand, you know what, do whatever you have to do to get out of here. Yeah. Do, do go. I always tell them, go, man. You got to get out of here. You can go. always come back. You, and make sure you always come back. Yeah, that's what your mom told you. That's, what, that's you right. Always come home. Jimmy. Always come home. Yep. Don't forget about home. Yeah, today we get to meet with Kevin Village Stone, and we will be speaking with him at the Enmanji Buddhist Temple in Sebastopol. And Kevin is a musician and storyteller. His life story is one that's incredible, but the stories that he tells that teach lessons are, are pretty amazing. Welcome, Kevin Village Stone. I have personally been attending the services at the Buddhist temple every Sunday at 10.30, and I love it. It's an awesome experience, such a great place, and it's beautiful. And a couple of weeks ago on Sunday, Kevin gave the Dharma talks. 
And halfway through hearing Kevin speak, I whispered to my boyfriend, I'm going to interview him. He's so good. He's such a good storyteller. And so we brought Kevin today um, to tell us perhaps a, a story or two. Um, but first, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. And by the way, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, my background is I am Japanese and Cherokee, although I've spent more time among the Lakota and the Hoopa and the Wintu, um, which is really quite funny because when I was telling stories in uh, public schools and going for cultural presentations, I would do both the Native American and three months later do the Japanese. And the kids would say, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Didn't we just see you three months ago? <laughs> and that's when I would tell them the story of Salaguga Ushti, Little Turtle, which is a, a uh, story about being yourself and celebrating everything that you are and uh, try to inspire them to appreciate who they are and who their parents are. Can you share that story with us? Absolutely. Okay. Now, okay, we'll do this Cherokee style. Okay. So I'm going to say Noguja, which means, are you ready to hear the story? Because in an oral tradition, it was up to everybody to be responsible to listen to the story. And you answer back with Ho Wa. Ho Wa. Okay. Noguja. Ho Wa. Ho Wa. Osta. You speak good Cherokee. Oh. He's talking to me. <laughs> this is the story of Saleguge Ushti, Little Turtle. And Saleguge Ushti lived on a pond way in the mountains, where he played with his friends, Walosh the frog, and Achadi the fish. And they had a great life. And they'd throw mud at each other, and they'd play, and they'd have fun, and they enjoyed being on that pond. And every so often, Saleguge Ushti would hear a sound, and he'd look up, and he'd see the geese on their annual migration. And he would think to himself, man, I wish I could fly. I wish I could fly, but I'm just a turtle. And he went back to playing with his friends. Well, one day something very special happened. The geese on their annual migration flew above, but this time they circled around. And they circled around his pond. And with each circle, they got lower and lower and lower until they glided across the water and started to eat the grasses on the shores. And Salaguge Ushti said, this is my chance. I can get them to teach me how to fly. So he ran over to Sasa, Goose, pulled on his wing, said, Sasa, Sasa, teach me to fly, teach me to fly. And Sasa Goose looked at him and said, you have no feathers. <laughs> you have no wings. You have no tail. How are we going to teach you to fly? Please leave us alone. We must eat for our great journey. So Saligugi Ushti went back to his rock and he sat in the sun and he started to think. And he started to think some more. And he thought some more. Great idea! I'm going to get a stick. And you know turtles, when they bite onto a stick, they can hold that stick and you can shake them around and they're not going to come off that stick. So he said, I'm going to get a stick, I'm going to bite down on it really hard, and get a goose on each side to lift me up on their shoulders, and then I'll be flying. It's a great idea. So Saligugi Ushi goes back to Sasa Goose, tells him the whole plan. Sasa looks at him and goes, uh, it's not going to work. And Saligugi Ushi started to say, please, please. 
please, please, pulling on his wing, you know, like kids do at T Toys R Us. Please, please. <laughs> Finally, Sasa said, okay, all right. If it'll keep your tongue from wagging like leaves in the wind, we'll take you. Go get on your rock and get your stick and wait for us. So he got his stick, got on top of his rock, and he bit down on it real hard and he waited. And pretty soon the geese started to leave his pond, one by one. And then he started to worry if they were going to remember their promise. But the last two geese flew up and then flew around and they went behind him. And he thought, this is it. This is it. So he stuck his neck way out, closed his eyes, bit down on that stick real hard. And he waited and whoosh. And he was up in the air and he could look down and see his little turtle legs dangling in the air. And he'd look to each side and see a powerful goose with their incredible wings lifting him even higher and higher. And he could see all these trees and he saw mountains and he saw ponds, other ponds that he didn't even know were there. He saw so much beauty, he wanted to say thank you. And he opened his mouth. Ooh, <laughs> boom. And he landed by a creek. And now his shell which used to look like a single piece of polished wood was now broken in pieces all over the ground. And he was very sad and thought to himself, what have I done to myself? Well, Idudu Enoli, Grandfather Wind, he saw everything that happened. So he came to Saligugi and he said, little turtle, why do you want to fly? Creator made you to be a turtle. Sasa Goose cannot be turtle. Only you can be turtle. So be the best turtle you can be. And Saligugi Ushti said, you're right, I agree. Well, Dudu Anoli felt bad that his shell had been broken. So he started to fly around him in a circle, faster and faster and faster, until he made a small tornado and pulled all the pieces of his shell back together, which is why to this day you can look at a turtle shell and it looks like little pieces of a puzzle put back together. So now with his shell put back together, Salagugi Ushti made it back to his pond, where he went back to playing with his friends, Achadi the fish and Walosh the frog. And he had a good life. And he had children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And he told them the story of his adventure and what had happened to him and what he had learned. So to this day, if you go out to a sunny pond and you see the turtles on a log, what are they doing? They're sticking their necks out. They got their eyes closed because they're dreaming about flying. Because sometimes it's better to dream than to try to be something that you're not. Wado. Thank you. That is so is thank good. you. What is it? Wado? Wado is thank you in Cherokee. <laughs> I'm thinking about that. I'm like, you know, and sometimes it's better just to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> if you keep your mouth closed sometimes. All right, well, I'm a living example of that one. <laughs> And also, you know, for kids to hear that, and you did that in schools, didn't you take that story? In California public schools every and, and year. For the kids to have that lesson that be the best, my parents always told me, be the best you you can be. Absolutely. Compare yourself to other people. But I think that's awesome. What a great story. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because my, my parents are the same way. You know, I remember my mother and father, my dad was like, you know what? I don't care what you become, but whatever it is, be the best at whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Even if it is being on the back of a, a garbage truck, if you're the garbage man or you're the waterman, whatever, mm -hmm. be the best one that you can be. Yes. And I just think about that, and I'm like, I really didn't want to 
do the garbage side of it. You know, <laughs> when people are athlete, yeah. you know, it's more more into the sports side of it. But it's stuck in my head. No matter what it is, it doesn't matter. Don't let let somebody else's let somebody judge you and try to tell you what they think is good for you. Whatever you want to be, go ahead and be it and be the best that you can be. And that's what that reminded me of. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And so you traveled around to California public schools telling these stories. Yes. How was that experience for you? Oh, it, that was awesome because, of course, as you can tell by the stories, the stories have a magic to themselves. It's mm-hmm. not really about the storyteller. And they, the kids just find it magical. They just really loved it. And you could tell that light bulbs were going mm-hmm. on when they were learning the lessons of these stories because every one of them you know, has a, le- a good lesson to it. Uh, in fact, sometimes I wonder if the uh, Trix Rabbit was stolen from uh, Jistu, who is the Cherokee uh, maker of mischief, the rabbit. Right. And then you have the Trix Rabbit, right? Oh, yeah, Trix the cereal. And then you have right. Saligugushti the turtle. Uh-huh. And you guys remember on the Rocky and Bullwinkle show, there was a cartoon of a turtle that was always trying to be something that he wasn't. He wanted mm-hmm. to be a fireman, and then he'd tell Mr. Wizard the Lizard, Help me, I don't want to be a fireman anymore. <laughs> and the Lizard would say, Trizzle Trazzle, Trizzle Trum, time for this one to come home. So I wonder if they kind of borrowed from the Saligugi sure. Ushti story. Yeah. yeah, you know they did. Yeah. <laughs> and Jerry, can you say Saligugi Ushti? Yeah, you just did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Saligugi Ushti. Three times fast. No, no I just kidding. Did I get it right the first time? Oh, right. Good Close. Job. Okay. <laughs> So um, our podcast obviously is about people doing good. And when we sat down today, you mentioned that you might have a story that is perfect yes. for people doing good. And we would love to hear that. Yes. Okay. Let's see. Let's see if you remember your Cherokee. Oh, gosh. Oh, no good job. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take that. We'll I take that. Written it down. <laughs> Ho-wa. Ho-wa. Write okay. it down, Jerry. You know, right now, in Texas, there's an unusually high blue bonnet bloom happening all over the state. And Where? There's picture, uh, in Texas. Okay. Because of the, the changing weather patterns. So there's unusually huge amounts of blue bonnets all blooming. I mean, acres and acres all over the place. So, uh, and the pictures have been on Facebook and things like that. And that reminds me of the origin story of the Texas blue bonnet which has to do with people doing good. Okay, we're ready. All right. A long time ago in Texas, there was a tribe that suffered many hardships and they had year after year of famine and drought, which led to sickness. And some of the people died and many couldn't even walk, they were so sick. And they did their ceremonies and they prayed to the creator. Even the warriors cut themselves but nothing changed their situation. And in this tribe, there lived a little girl who was an orphan now. Her parents died from the sickness. And all she had left to remember of them was the corn husk doll that her mother had made for her that had the blue feather in it that her father had adorned the doll with. And this warrior doll was her most prized possession. The holy man came out one day and he said, too many people have taken too much from the land and they've taken more than they needed. And now we are out of balance with creation and with the creator. So we must give back. 
We must give back the most special, the most adored thing among the people. Think about this tonight, and tomorrow we will make that sacrifice. Well, the little girl thought to herself, I already know what it is. It's my warrior doll, because nothing can be more precious than that. So she went up on the hill, she built a small fire, and she blessed the fire to the four directions and her doll to the four directions and sang songs to the great creator and to Mother Earth. And then she kissed the doll and threw it into the fire. And after it had burned up, she took a handful of the ashes and while spinning around, she cast the ashes in every direction. And then she went to sleep. The next morning she heard a noise and all the people were running around the village and they were all better. The sickness had left them and the people were rejoicing and singing and dancing. And when they looked across all the fields, it was filled with blue flowers, the same blue that was in the feather on her warrior doll. And when the people learned of her deed and that she had saved her people and sacrificed her own to save them, they named her one who dearly loves her people. What I'm listening to you and, uh, and I can feel the passion and where did you learn this? Was this, I mean, as a kid, were these stories told to you? I mean, were similar stories kind of told to you or what got you into telling, wanting to do this? Because you do a beautiful job of it. Oh, thank it's you. It's very relaxing and mm -hmm. I'm sitting back here and I'm like, oh, I feel like a, felt like that turtle, or felt like, <laughs> you know, I was just yeah. curious, what was it that got you? Well, um, I actually was raised more Japanese okay. uh, in San Francisco, okay. which is where I got my classical music training um, theory and all that kind of stuff. And I've been a musician, performing musician since I was eight years old. Um, this is before Prop 13. So we had really good music in public schools in San yeah. Francisco. And um, it was years later uh, later in life that i went to pay respects to my dad's father's grave uh, my grandparents in lake county uh, up in lower lake mm -hmm. and when i went there there was a huge turkey feather laying on my grandfather's grave as, as if it had been placed there and there was no other turkey feathers around now turkeys are wild in that area but usually you see feathers all over and this one was sitting right on the grave and I started to remember um, the stories that my grandmother used to say about coming from Oklahoma and you know which is after the Trail of Tears the Cherokee came from the east to uh, Tahlequah Oklahoma and um, so I, I started to reinvestigate my roots and so I started getting involved with powwow and intertribal organizations um, that celebrate all the tribes and through that, I made connections with people that um, invited me to sweat, sweat lodge. So I've been in, in regular sweat lodge ceremonies, uh, the Alcatraz morning service. Um, so I've been involved in a lot of things. I was also on a powwow drum with the uh, Red Voice Singers. And that's that big drum where you got six guys around it, mm, cool. playing it and singing. So yeah. you got to learn the traditional Lakota songs. and. Uh, you know, Lakota have songs for everything. They have the, you know, carry out the garbage for the wife song. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and they even joke about that they have a song for everything. So it was through that exposure that I started to learn about the stories. And I thought, you know, these stories are not well documented. Mm -hmm. 
And it was the tradition among the native people to tell them generation after generation after generation and to memorize them because to tell them any other way, the story would lose their power. So they viewed themselves as being responsible to remember these stories and to pass them on. So I kind of felt this um, inspiration to spread these stories to people that don't normally get to hear them. And that's what got me connected when my daughter was five years old, got me connected to the school. And I started to tell the stories and then other schools started to call me. And we said, hey, we heard you do this for, you do these stories. Can you come for our Native American module that we have every year? And so every year I get invited back. And then I also, I told them, well, I'm also Japanese and I have a yoroi, which is the samurai armor and my family swords and pictures of my family before World War II. I said, would you like me to come and talk about that in the Japanese module? And he said, yes. So this all kind of evolved into this thing that you heard about, where the kids would see me twice in a year. Yeah. What are you doing back? <laughs> you yeah. know what, Kevin, that is, uh, <laughs> that's remarkable for me because a lot of kids have a hard time learning. We mm -hmm. need school because it's a distraction. Some people just don't learn. They have a hard time learning. And by telling a story, it makes it easier to learn the history and the traditions. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is awesome because, you know, back in my day going through school, we didn't have storytellers. And, you know, my, my kids are like, they wanted to know about their family history, you know. And I mm -hmm. wish that my parents had, had done a better job. God bless them that of letting me know where I'm from and who I'm connected to because nowadays mm -hmm. it's really popular. Everybody, you got tests, you can do this and do that, but that didn't happen to me when I was a kid. So mm -hmm. I, the idea of, of being able to tell your 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 history, your family history, the traditions, and you have you have two sides that you get to go to. So you get to educate mm -hmm. these kids, and they learn it. And I think they need to learn it because they got to pass it on because it's about sure. you know. I mean, I was. Uh, Tell me about what does it mean the learning is in the doing. Tell me about that. Oh, that it's, you know, people read things on the Internet and they think they're an expert now, you know. And, of course, on the Internet, you know, Abraham Lincoln said everything on the Internet is true, right? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, you can't always trust information. And, um, and even before the Internet, it was always about if you wanted to learn something in Native circles, Japanese too, uh, you found somebody that did that and you went and studied to learn to do that. Okay. That was called being an apprentice, right? right. In, in Europe, they called him an apprentice and you had a mentor. So uh, it was important to not just learn the thing in theory. It was to do it do with it. your hands, mm -hmm. to actually do the thing that you want to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the reason I bring that up is because when I was, I, I was watching you on, uh, on YouTube, with the flute, with the, you know, the native mm -hmm. flute is saying, and you were showing how, how to do this, how to learn this instrument. And I, re I picked up you saying the learning is in the doing. And I was like, you know what? I need to ask you about that because it is the learning is in the doing. You have to go out and do it. You know, you can see somebody do something, but when you actually go out and try it yourself and you realize, okay, I might have to work hard or whatever it is, mm -hmm. but the doing aspect of life in general in itself is that's what the learning is. And I just yeah. thank you for that. Well, and it's all, there's a hidden message in that yeah. too, which is make your mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's okay to make your mistakes. 
The learning is in the doing. In doing. And you're not born coming out of the womb with all that knowledge, right? right? So do what you want to do. Make the mistakes to get there, but do what you want to do and get there. Right, and the mistakes are where you learn the most. I Absolutely. Know in my life, that's how it's always been. Oh, I learned yeah. a lot from my mistakes. Oh, me too. I'm still learning. <laughs> Lots of them. <laughs> More to come. Yeah, I don't think I'm done yet. <laughs> no, I don't either. <laughs> well, you know, let me, uh, just f for your audience, okay. let me give you a great resource. It was actually a movie put out by Hallmark in two parts called Dream Keeper. Mm. All-star native cast. And the only white guy in the cast plays a white man. And what it is is a wayward... Uh, son who's in trouble with the gangs and he's on the run and so he's going to take grandfather to powwow now grandfather starts to learn about his problems and starts to tell him the stories the old stories with the drum because he's a storyteller that's why he's going so this movie takes you on a journey with this young man but it has all these lessons from the stories that are being told mm -hmm. and they're enacting these stories they're not just telling them Wow. Yeah. So uh, Hallmark did that because they found out one of the directors, um, Fusco, um, I, I forget his name, but uh, he, he does a lot of period pieces that are really authentic and he loves to do historical things. And they found out he was part of a Teoshpie, which means he was adopted into a Lakota family. So they asked him more about that and that inspired filming Dreamkeeper. And so amazing amount of stories, great acting, just an awesome movie, Dreamkeeper. Okay, so, anyone out there listening right now that is enjoying these stories, check out Dreamkeeper, Hallmark, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. um, and Kevin, when I first saw you at the temple that day, the first story you told was kind of my favorite. And I was wondering if you'd tell that one again about the tail and the ice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that is G's Two Rabbit. Okay. And why he has no tail today. All right. Let's see if you, let's see how your Cherokee <laughs> is. No guja? Ho-wa. Ho-wa. Ho All right. Osta. Osta is We're good learning. in Cherokee. That's right. <laughs> this is the story of Jistu Rabbit. Now, does Jistu Rabbit have a short little cotton tail or a long tail? He has a short cotton tail. Was not always so. There was a time when Jistu Rabbit was known far and wide for this big, beautiful, luxurious tail like Chula, Fox. He was known far and wide for this tail. He was also known far and wide for being a maker of mischief. If he wasn't getting into trouble, he was getting somebody else into trouble. That was Jistu Rabbit. Well, one day Jistu Rabbit is walking through the forest, and it's the time of Gola, the time of the cold maker, what we call winter. And he's trying to find food, and he's not finding any food anywhere, and his little bunny tummy is starting to rumble. And as he's walking along, he comes upon Chula, the fox, and Chula's carrying a big stringer of fish. And Jesus said, Chula, Osio, Osio, which is hello in Cherokee. He said, Osio, where'd you get the fish? Now Chula knows that Jistu Rabbit is a maker of mischief. So he decided to play mischief back. He said, well, I catch him in the creek. Jistu Rabbit thought about it and said, no, creek is frozen. You can't get fish out of frozen creek. 
And Shula said, uh-huh. So I go down to the creek, and I get a stick, and I chip a hole in the ice. And then I put my tail in the hole, and I sit down. And when the fish bite my tail, I stand up. And that's how I catch the fish. Jisoo thought, no, is that true? And Shula said, uh-huh. So right away, Jisoo Rabbit runs down to the creek, finds himself a stick, he chips a hole in the ice, and then he sits over the hole in the ice, takes that beautiful, luxurious tail, puts it in the cold water, and sits down. <laughs> and he waits for the fish to bite his tail. And he waits. And he waits. <laughs> and he waits. Nothing. Not even a nibble. Well, now the sun's starting to go down. And Jester Rabbit thinks to himself, you know, Chula's way of catching fish don't work so good. I think I'm going to go home. And he went to stand up. Mm. And he tried again. Mm. And he tried a third time. Mm. And he still couldn't stand up. And he looked down. And you know what had happened? His tail had frozen into the ice. And now he was stuck. And that tail was waving in the water under the ice. So he started to yell, Ostila! Ostila! Which is Cherokee for help! <laughs> so, yelling a bear, he comes out of his cave, rubbing his eyes with his big paws, and he says, Jeez to rabbit, why you make so much noise? I was sleeping. Not supposed to wake up till half past April. So, Jeez to rabbit told him the whole story of how Chula Fox had tricked him. And Yona Bear said, okay, we'll get you out. So he put his bear paws under his shoulders, planted his big bear legs, and he went to pull Jistu out. <clears throat> Still couldn't pull him out. And he said, man, you're stuck. So he planted his bear legs even farther, got his bear paws way under Jistu's shoulders, and he gave him a great big bear pull. <clears throat> got him out which was good and bad because Jistu was out, but the tail was still in the ice <laughs> waving in the water, which is why Rabbit has no tail today. Because if you're known to be a maker of mischief, sometimes the mischief comes to find you. Nigaha. That's the end. Whoa. That's so good. <laughs> I, love I love that, that story. That again. I saw you it. try it not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> But really, Kevin, the, the gift that you have, um, when you're telling a story, I am absolutely picturing it. You know, Jerry? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm picturing yep. this bunny sitting on the, the frozen creek. Yeah, Kevin, Poor he's, guy. He, he's painting it a canvas. He's and painting you know, and, we, a and we're watching him, and we see these strokes yeah. go, and there's the rabbit, and there's the tail, there's the eyes, <laughs> and there's the, you know, the turtle, there's the, there's the, you know, that whole thing right there, yes. Yeah. And at the same time, you're carrying on your heritage by sharing these stories that were shared mm -hmm. with you. And I think that's so cool. Little fact, I'm part Karuk Indian. My oh. great grandfather was born on the reservation. Oh. And my kids from their father's side are part Cherokee. Oh, so we visited the Trail of Tears and the Cherokee Reservation. Which Good was for you. Quite an interesting experience. You know, I felt very sad when I was on that reservation. Just, yes. Do you know, have you been there? I haven't yet, but I, okay. I definitely want to go. Um, I especially want to take my daughter there. Yeah, you should. You know, 
I had just a energetically the mm-hmm. feeling there for me really like I said I, it just felt sad. No. Well, you know the the did you go to Tahlequah? No, I did not. There's a fire that burns there for the people. And and a lot of things were carried forth from those days from the Eastern Band, you know, one being the the Cherokee Phoenix a newspaper which was the first newspaper out on the East Coast, you know, the, the first original newspaper. Well, they had to the be. Cherokee made were the first natives right. to actually make a written language that could be taught, you know, to other people. And you can even uh, get classes in it. I think at Chico, mm. uh, some of our universities have classes Amazing. in Cherokee. So anyway, um, the the fire that burns in Tahlequah is a fire that was brought with them from the east. Eastern Band during the Trail of Tears. There's a thing called a Comanche match where they can take a hot coal and there's a person designated as the fire bearer or the fire keeper. And they wrap that up in bark so it just keeps a slow smolder. And they can walk all day with that and start the next fire with it and the next fire and the next fire. So the fire that they brought with them from uh, the East Coast is the fire that still burns to this day in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. That's unbelievable. So cool. I love it. I, <laughs> I, yeah, it is unbelievable. And uh, the history. I, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm really enjoying this because I like to find out things about uh, different things, about different people, different mm-hmm. traditions and their nationalities. And I've always been fascinated with, with the Indians. And... Uh, that is a great story. I mean, from the East Coast and the fire that still burns now to when it started there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this has been so long ago, and it still mm-hmm. burns, and it's mm-hmm. there, and it's got the meaning. And I think everybody should, I need to go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, need, I need to go because I, I have a lot of respect for people. Uh, you know, when you've been through a hard time or, 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 or your life has been changed or you've been relocated, you know, and... Uh, the Native American history is is a powerful one. I mean, I mean that's where it all started with me. I, you know, I don't mm-hmm. want to get into it because it, it just, I just feel strong about it. I mean, and because the traditions and the things that they believe in, and I mean, to be able to, <laughs> to learn how to fend for yourself, to feed for yourself, to get sick, to take care of yourself. I mean, just to go on and on and on and on, and to pass things down and to be. <laughs> put out mm-hmm. on a reservation, mm-hmm. you know, that just still bothers me to this day. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, let's play a table. Uh, we're going to put you somewhere where nobody else wants to go. Nowhere. Don't even worry about it, man. We won't see you, won't hear from you <laughs> until uh, decades and decades later. Now, all of a sudden, you're discovering there might be some oil, there might be some gold on there and this and that. And you know what? Now there's casinos being in there. I say that because, you know what, instead of just sitting there, just, just taking whatever they were given to, they were, they found a way to keep moving forward. And to me, mm-hmm. that's important, you know, because you know I'm African American. I mean, mm-hmm. as you can tell, <laughs> I'm darker than anybody <laughs> in this room. But it, it's just, I, I, I know what it's like when there's a struggle, you know. And if you don't keep moving forward through that struggle, that's where you're gonna, that, that's where you're gonna wind up. And uh, I'm getting excited. I know, and the Native Americans too, they just, in my opinion, had it right. Simplicity. And spiritual, you know, mm-hmm. just um, we, our world has changed so much. There's yeah, they, they so lived much. at peace with the land. Yes. You know? And we're not doing that now. 
No, we're ab absolutely not. They, the expression among many of the natives is that we have stepped out of the hoop. The hoop is a circle of balance mm -hmm. between us and all living things. And we're just another creature like everybody else. Yes. But because we've become dominant, we have stepped out of that balance. That's an interesting way to put it. And we have. Yeah. I hope we can get back in the hoop. Yeah, hope well, you know, um, late. A lot, you know, talking about African-Americans, uh, a lot of people don't know. There were a lot of African-Americans that were on the Trail of Tears, too, because the, uh, uh, the freedmen mm -hmm. went with them, uh, with, the, with the Cherokee. And, uh, and Choctaw and all that. So um, many of the uh, African-Americans, especially uh, post-Civil War, right. were gathered up and removed too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that started when, with Andrew Jackson, the president, who sided with rich Georgians. The, they're the ones that funded his presidency right. when they found gold on Cherokee land. So that became the negative PR campaign against the Cherokee that... Well, you know, and, and it was very, of course, nicely worded, like they, they really have a different culture. They don't belong with us. We don't want to hurt them. So we're just going to move them out of the way. But in reality, what happened is they were taking Cherokee people who were completely enculturated at that time. They were business owners. They had homes. They had plantations, you know, beautiful homes. Um, you wouldn't know the difference between them and, and anybody mm -hmm. else. But because gold was found on the land, now they're vilified and called savages. Right. So they were being forcibly removed by the uh, cavalry. And there was usually Georgian families, uh, not to say anything bad against Georgians, but there were some Georgian families at that time. They would literally be in a, a buckboard with their possessions, waiting for the natives to be removed from their home, and they would sign a document and take over that property. That's brutal. It was just taken from them. And the other thing about the Cherokee people is when they put them on the boats, um, they were uh, waterways. To travel waterways was considered to be a way to the afterlife. So as they're leaving their land and watching their land disappear in the distance, they feel that they're going to die. They feel that they are going to death. They're going to the next life. It's over. Yeah, and so there was there was a great sadness among the people. It wasn't just the physical struggle right. of marching them. It was the great spiritual sadness that was with them as well. Yes. But little did they know the spirit and the traditions and the strength that they would have to be able to still exist without all of that stuff that they had that was taken from them. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think it's awesome. It's a, it's a fascinating story to me because... You know, I know what it's like uh, to be told you either can't do something or something negative said about you or you're not good enough to be here or you're whatever, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Mm -hmm. And as long as you believe in yourself, mm -hmm. which is what it's about. It's they really, can never take that from can you. can never take it from you. You know what? They don't know. They just see the outside. That's all. They yeah. don't know what's in your heart. They don't know what your spirit and what your faith is all about. Right. It's beautiful. Right. Well, you know, let me, let me just say, too, um, and I probably should have said this at the beginning just <clears throat> I think it's important for me to say that I, I don't speak for any particular tribe I don't represent any tribe or the native peoples I'm just a person that is embracing who he is mm -hmm. and uh, that's why my symbol on my um, I don't know if you saw the beaded 
leggings that I had, the legging ties. I did. And they're black and white, uh, a row of black and white in the middle with a row of red on each side. That For me, that's I made those. It's a symbol of the black is Mother Earth or uh, birth, mm -hmm. and the white is Father Spirit, uh, life force, mm -hmm. energy. And they made me to be who I am, which is two bloods, which is the two red lines, Cherokee and Japanese. How cool. Kevin, I want to ask you as well um, a little bit about the Buddhist temple where we are mm -hmm. currently in Manji in Sebastopol. And um, I said earlier on, <clears throat> I've been attending services here and you help run the, the temple, correct? You're on the board oh, of directors no. or no, 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 no. Well, I am on the board of directors, but you know, compared to everybody else here, I've been here for five minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, there's a lot of history here. I just wanted to kind of tell our listeners a little bit, give a little shout out to the temple because it's really enhanced my life in a major way. Coming oh, that's to your wonderful. Services. That's what we want. Yeah. And the temple, of course, uh, is accepting of all peoples. Uh, everyone is welcome because everyone's on a path. And this particular temple was part of the, the building itself, was part of the Shanghai Railroad uh, and was in, I forget the, now if it was in Japan or if it was in Manchuria, but it was taken apart piece by piece and brought to the Chicago World's Fair and where it was reassembled. And during that time, the Japanese community here petitioned to buy it and petitioned with the county if they could put a temple here. And so that temple was disassembled again and brought here and reassembled. So this temple, yes. <laughs> um, it's beautiful. I'm hoping that after we speak, you could give us a little. Sure. To, I, Jerry hasn't been inside before. I'd love for him to see it, but. Absolutely. What, what a cool history. Uh, and also Kevin is quite the musician and what do you want to share with our listeners about what you're doing currently in your musical life? Uh, well, we have two things going on. Uh, of course, I play Native American flutes, but I also play bass and keyboards. And my wife, Lindy Day, is the new uh, head guitar instructor at School of Rock in Santa Rosa. Sweet. She has toured with uh, tribute bands. Um, we, She and I have toured together as Whispering Light, which is... Uh, Native American flute over smooth jazz rock fusion. Uh, we've played Manhattan. We've we've gone back and forth coast to coast. Uh, she also played uh, recently, uh, played for an event in front of 7,000 people, a packed house at the Bill Graham Auditorium. So uh, we're used to uh, operating our music in a way that, you know, we're trying to make a living at it. Right. So uh, Whispering Light, as I told you, is our Native American flutes over jazz rock fusion. And now we, we've started a new project that we've been under development for about two years now. And we have a drummer now, Ralph Avalon, who plays with the Sonoma County Taiko drummers. So we met him here when the Taiko drummers come for Obone Festival. And we didn't know this about him, but he is a degreed music educator. He plays every instrument in the orchestra. Plus, he toured as a drummer, opening up for Quiet Riot, Night Ranger, all those guys, cool. and he plays taiko drums. So all that influence is now coming into a new electro rock band called Black Ramen that we're gonna release in 2020. And uh, if, if I were to explain it, it, it's not just music, it's an entire show. 
And this show is built on a portion of a story where four of the characters in this story are costumed and hiding out as a rock band called Black Ramen. <laughs> so there will be... Sounds uh, like an experience. Yes, it, this is going to be a... a yeah, experience is actually the word for it. It's an ex black. We so take you on a journey. We're looking forward to some black ramen in our future. Right now, there's just a splash page on blackramen.com. Check but it But as things progress, we will be adding more to it. So just uh, keep your eyes on that website, and you'll find out the new things coming up. It sounds mysterious and exciting. <laughs> <That's> Kevin. <laughs> Kevin Village Stone. Your storytelling is, is, is remarkable, and I can listen to you all day, all night. But I can also listen to your music. You guys, you have to check out this, the Native Flute. Mm -hmm. Native American Flute. Native American Flute. I heard it, and I, uh, it, you guys, if you really want to relax, you've had a day where it's been stressful or whatever, or you're getting ready to go out the next day you start your day with a hectic day you need you need to start your day with some morning gratitude mm -hmm. that also uh kevin has and to listen to this flute this flute just kind of just takes a brother back I could, <laughs> if my hair was longer i'd let my hair down but it's not that long but it is so relaxing and it's, it's spiritual it's a spiritual thing you know, because mm -hmm. this morning, I mean, I actually heard, uh, you know, morning gratitude. I mean, mm -hmm. I listened to it this morning and it got me prepared for today because on a daily basis, you never know what's going to be out there. You never you never know. So I'm, I'm grateful to be able to start my day with an attitude of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And that's where your music, it, it put me there. I said, you know what? Today is is my day. Kevin. I can't thank you enough. What a cool experience oh, to get pleasure. to hear your thank stories you for and, and um, have you here on our show today. Whispering light. Whispering light. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Kevin was amazing. <laughs> that's my word. Well, it describes him because that's, the, that's one of those words that you can describe him. I, as growing up, you know, school wasn't my favorite subject learning i was having some issues with learning i just i don't know something about it but what i learned as i was growing up and what kevin's been doing is when you can apply music to telling a story it's easier to learn what you need to learn and with the native american history tied into with the music and 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 that whole thing he's telling a story to the younger generation and they're learning about their history and their heritage and I just think it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, Kevin was cool and you know, he's doing he's doing good things and has been for years sharing those stories with kids and teaching them those lessons that are very simple and using mm -hmm. animals to tell the stories I think is is uh is pretty cool. So thanks Kevin so much for joining us on our show. Thanks Kevin. Yes, good yeah, job. And thanks Laura. to the Enmanji Buddhist Temple as well for allowing us to record there. It's an amazing spot. You can find out more about Enmanji. Uh, just take a look at our show notes and you can learn more about Kevin or the temple and we appreciate you listening and until next time. The People Doing Good podcast is brought to you by Shoes for Kids. For more info, visit shoesforkids.com. It is created and hosted by Mariah Volk and Jerry Robinson. Produced and edited by Charlene Goto of Goto Productions. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your podcast media. Follow on social media at One Good Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Email us at peopledoinggoodpodcast at gmail.com. 